Hey, before we get started today, I wanted to mention that today's show is sponsored by Geico. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work, but you know, what's easy bundling policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowners or renters insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to Geico.com, get a quote and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com. That's Geico.com. And we thank Geico for sponsoring this very special edition of Arn. And we hope you're enjoying Arn revisiting his formative years in the wrestling business as much as we are. It's not the good times roll. Thanks to Geico. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Woo! Hey, let's make this Memorial Day weekend very memorable. Let's save some money at SaveWithConrad.com. What about a summer vacation from house payments? That's right. No house payments in June or July. You're done until August 1st. And come August 1st, you're going to have a better mortgage. But don't take my word for it. Just ask Omar in Tucson, Arizona. He left us a five-star review at conradreviews.com, and he said, from the minute I requested information to the day my refinance was completed, I was treated with respect and kept completely in the loop. I had already given the information to multiple friends who are looking to refinance. Thank you so much for all of your help. And thank you for your business, Omar. Let me tell you this right now. If you can hear my voice and you're in a 30-year loan, it's not a matter of if we can save you money. It's a matter of how much. Even worse, if you've got credit card debt, you might be feeling stuck making the minimum payments. Wouldn't it be nice to get rid of all that debt once and for all? Just like that. SaveWithConrad.com can make saving money fast and easy, and you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this. And we're licensed in more than 40 states. So what are you waiting for? Find out how much money you can save for free at SaveWithConrad.com. Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to Arn. And of course, we couldn't do it without the founder of the Four Horsemen, the creator of the Spine Buster AA, the Enforcer, the Hall of Famer himself, Arn Anderson. Arn, how are you, man? Well, just like you, I'm doing better with all this uh, vaccinations and stuff starting to work. That's a good thing. Yep. Uh, got both of my vaccinations. Did not have one episode of anything. Uh, no headaches, no nothing. It was perfect. Felt great. Um, and a lot of people are following suit and it seems like this summer may actually end up shaking out like a real summer. Well, how about that? Wouldn't that be nice? That would be nice. I I'm looking forward to it. And I'm looking forward to, uh, if you haven't already, uh, you need to make plans tomorrow night as we're talking is double or nothing. And your man, Cody Rhodes has quite the challenge in front of him. You nervous, anxious, excited. Uh, not really anxious. 
excited always. Uh, you know, I, I'm always really thrilled, I guess is the best word, to see when a challenge gets put in front of a young talent. And I would look at this, other than this being a huge challenge for Cody, which it is, I'm looking at Gogo having a huge challenge in front of him. And here's a guy that, man, you know, he was a, uh, a credible boxer at one time. Uh, he's an incredible athlete, obviously. He's picking up our business, you know, in gangbusters. He's learning every time he goes to the ring. So it's going to be a big challenge for him, and it's just going to be good TV. You know, I can't wait to see how it shakes out stylistically. It's going to be fun. If you haven't already make plans to join Arn on pay-per-view tomorrow night. And, uh, of course, dynamite will be back to their regularly scheduled Wednesday, this coming Wednesday. And, uh, it's every single Wednesday on, uh, of course, TNT. So check it out. But today we're not talking about current wrestling. We're talking about 1983. Uh, we've sort of hit the reset button on all things Arn, and we hope you're telling your friends about it. May has been an exciting month. Uh, we talked about growing up Arn in episode one, and then Pensacola with Pee Wee in episode two. Last week was pounding the pavement for Watts, and today it's finishing up with the Cowboy, and we're going to talk about 1983. Let's start from the very beginning. Your first match of the year that I can find is against Bruno Sammartino Jr. at the Riverside Centroplex in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Man, Bruno Sammartino Jr. That's not something we hear a lot of. What can you tell us about Bruno Jr.? Well, that carries a hell of an aura around it, doesn't it? It does. God almighty. You know, if I'd said I wasn't intimidated, I would be lying. Just uh, from the fact that second-generation wrestlers, I feel, get certain things just by osmosis, just by growing up around the business as a kid. You hear things, you see things, you know, you see your dad come home injured and what does he do to put himself back together? And, you know, the conversations that go on, I'm sure at the dinner table, just, just all those things that are related to the business that carry over to your personal life. And I'm thinking, man, then, you know, I got to look at the kid and then I start asking a couple of guys, you know, have you heard of, you know, of him, Tim, and he was just getting started too. uh, so experience level, uh, he was still very, very green, but man, I guess he did some power lifted too, because the kid was really, really super strong. Uh, I think he carried an aura and a chip on his shoulder because I'm sure a lot of people said to him, you're never going to be your dad. Right. Well, that's tough. That's tough cross to bear sometimes. If you haven't before go Google image, David San Martino. Of course I called him Bruno San Martino jr. That's another name he went by, but most of us saw him on the WWF a couple of years later when he was going by the name David, but to your point, dude, he is jacked like a crazy looking power lifter, dude. He started wrestling when he was only 20 years old in 1980. So here he's, I don't know, two or three years in, I think he's just a couple years younger than you, but as you said, the pressure that must be on him. Uh, to sort of fill his dad's shoes had to be monumental, but he didn't let that bother him here. Uh, as with everything we talked about so far in 1982, you wind up in the losing effort, not winning a lot of matches so far. Are we Arn? Imagine that. <laughs> 
it has started already that common theme that would stick with me throughout 38 years, no wins, but you know what? I was learning something every single day. And, uh, you know, I was just trying to absorb every little bit of, of something different that would occur during a match. And, uh, the audience response to something that I did during a match or that he did during the match. And it was just, it's an ongoing uh, process. That's one thing I could say about Bill Watts territory. When you have those rules in place, no punching, no kicking, no thumbing a guy in the eye, no fighting outside on the floor. You've got to keep it in the ring and wrestle. You better learn how to work. Yeah. Well, let's talk about, uh, the stretch you're on here, because this is, I don't know, super fascinating to me. We start on January 4th against Bruno San Martino. The next day we're wrestling Dick Murdoch. Two days after that, we're wrestling Dr. Death, Steve Williams. I don't think anybody has ever wrestled those three guys in a row like that. Maybe, but you, that's gotta be some trivia for somebody, but Bruno jr. And then Dick and then Dr. Death back to back to back. Uh, yeah. That's tough. Nobody did it and lived to talk about it. Yeah, I'm sure. Right. You know, one, one little bit of uh history and, you know, since we're going back and, you know, we're, we're collecting some of the stuff that we might've skipped over the first go around with the podcast, a uh, little bit of a trivia fact, Steve Williams and I started exactly the same time. He was just starting in the business at that time too. You know, and Bill Watts was sky high on Doc, as he should have been. I mean, Doc was a beast. Football, when you wrestle in college, especially somewhere like Oklahoma, and you play football too, you're special. You know, Mike Rotundo is one of those athletes. You're special. To excel in two sports in college, it's incredible. Um, So Doc, you know, was just, man, I mean, when he scooped you up, it made you feel like a little baby. And, uh, Dick Murdoch was as good, which I've said before, as he wanted to be that day. If if he was in the mood to entertain, he was a hell of an entertainer. If he wanted to go out and play it straight, he was a hell of a wrestler and, and a tough guy. And uh, that's a pretty good three-day stretch. You're 100% correct on that. As you've probably picked up by now, Arn was putting over a lot of people back in the day. Uh, but not as often as we're putting over Geico. Ha ha. Gotcha. Go save some money at Geico.com. You'd be glad you did. This episode is sponsored by blue chew guys. It's been a hell of a year. Now, personally, I feel like I've aged 12 years over the last 12 months. And if you're like me, you're feeling your age more than you used to. Maybe especially in the bedroom. It's time to snap out of it. Spring is here and it's time to get sprung with blue chew. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. Blue Chew's tablets help men achieve harder and stronger erections to combat all forms of ED. Blue Chew is an online prescription service, so no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. And it ships right to your door in a discreet package. The process is simple. Sign up at bluechew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part? It's all done online. Bluechew's licensed medical providers work with you to find the right ingredient and strength for your prescription. Don't like swallowing pills? No problems here. Bluechew's sildenafil and tadalafil tablets are chewable. 
Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and they prepare and ship direct, so it's cheaper than a pharmacy. So if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, visit bluechew.com for more details and safety information. We've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code ARN at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com. Our promo code is ARN to receive your first month free. We thank Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. So the next day, though, as we said, uh, after the Bruno Jr. match, you're doing TV and it's with Dick Murdoch here. That's a quick effort. Two minutes, 46 seconds at the Irish McNeil Club in uh, Shreveport, Louisiana. Dick Murdoch, Captain Redneck. We've talked about him a little bit before. Did you ever have any uh, interesting drinking stories with him? Uh, you know, I, I never went out with Murdoch, um, but I heard all the stories and he was one of those guys that, uh, whoever he was traveling with, he would be the passenger and he would be the bartender unless there was another guy in the back seat. But, you know, uh, it would be a case of beer a night. You know, he was one of those guys that he would stop in, buy a case. And if it was a 200-mile trip, he would probably drink most of it. If it was a 300-mile trip, he would probably drink all of it. And uh, telling the stories, he was just one of those guys that so was so fun to be around that once he got drinking and rolling and we're going down the road and you're developing that friendship and that camaraderie and, you know, it just, uh, he was just fun to be around. I've heard that, uh, Coors light was the beer of his choice to the point where he was some sort of like unofficial spokesperson. Bruce has almost joked that he had like a card he carried in his wallet where he didn't pay for Coors or some such nonsense. Well, I'm sure he didn't pay for anything anywhere, anytime. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure he didn't pay the traditional four cents a mile trans. I'm sure he didn't buy the beer, but you know what? I would probably say, let me, let me retract that. I bet you Murdoch bought the beer for whoever was in the car, but he didn't pay no trans. He never picked up a dinner meal, anything of that, but where it was in his wheelhouse, if there was four guys in, in the car, I would bet you Brent Murdoch would buy a couple of cases of beer and pop for that. Just knowing him the next day, it's a live event or two days later against Dr. Death, Steve Williams. You mentioned he was starting around the same time you did. Uh, I'm curious when you've got two guys who were sort of new to this, it's not like you have a veteran who can quote unquote, call it in the ring. Uh, are you guys able to discuss anything in these days or is it still communicated through the referees? And, you know, we, as wrestling fans have heard that the person who is sort of the senior person or the quote unquote heel, they would call the match. How does that work with two young guys like you and Dr. Death at the time? I'll tell you how it went that day. Here was the entire conversation. Me to doc, please don't kill me. That was the end of the conversation. You're supposed to pop on that, Conrad. I can only imagine. I that mean, was a joke. Not a word was said. Doc came in. He just started rolling, and I just went with it. I had an idea from the referee when he came over and said, hey, you know, this is Bill's project. You know, want to get him over strong. 
And that's all that you said in those days. I knew not to try to take anything unless he created an opening for me. And in those days, that was the learning to work. If a guy grabs your arm and he stayed there, he didn't advance his uh, position. He meant for you to reverse it or try to reverse it or try to wrestle your way out of it. And if you reversed it and he reversed it back and there was a pause, he's looking for you to do something. It is up to you to have some, some knowledge in your wheelhouse of something to do in this particular situation. If a guy took a hammer lock and he's staying behind you and not trying to advance his position, then he probably wants you to reverse it. And that's kind of the, the unspoken language of wrestling. Grab something, the other guy will try to, uh, you know, reverse it. And if the guy blocks you, he's probably not ready for you to reverse it. It's probably that simple. You know, we've heard Arn say that uh, wearing a fedora back in the day was heat. Well, heat with me is not going to geico.com. What are you waiting for? You're throwing your money away and you can save when you bundle at geico.com. The next day, we're, uh, we're going to be. Uh, hitting the road again, you know, I know we've touched on a, a little bit before, but I don't think we can properly convey to our listeners just how brutal the travel schedule had to be. Uh, because as we were mentioning, you know, two days in between, uh, matches, you know, here and there, these are not short hauls. You're going from Baton Rouge, Louisiana to Houston, Texas, to Shreveport, Louisiana, to Jackson, Mississippi, back to Houston this has to be wearing you down. Well, it absolutely does. And you know, the thing that actually helped me was <clears throat> I didn't have a wife or, or a family at home. Right. Uh, I was free to, as long as I could get up in time to get a workout in, then the rest of my day was dedicated to getting to work, going to work, doing what I could while I was at work to get a little bit better every day. So I was in that ideal situation of, of just traveling, training and wrestling. And the problem was the mileage, you know, it it didn't lend itself to doing a lot of partying, to be honest with you, uh, because those roads in Louisiana for the people that live there, God bless you for the people that travel through there. You know what I'm talking about? They're very dark at night. There's deer jumping out in front of you. Other animals, raccoons, you name it, are always in the road. Armadillas, for God's sakes. But the the roads are not lined. These are not highways. These are two-lane roads. And if you drive from Baton Rouge to Shreveport, you got about 250 miles of two-lane road. Right. And for those that don't travel a lot, that's a big difference than taking off from Charlotte and going down interstate 85, which is four lanes for part of it to Atlanta. These are two lane roads and they're in bad shape and there's police everywhere. And it's probably a good idea because they save a lot of lives by slowing a lot of people down. Uh, You can get used to a certain highway and it was, you know, we would travel some of these roads and you would kind of get a feel. Okay. I'm coming up to Bunky. Bunky's the next little town. And you knew there was a bad curve coming into Bunky. So you would slow it down. But the first time you go through there, it's, it's, it's an eye opener really is. It's a, you know, and those potholes in the road, the roads haven't been paved and God knows, you know, decades, 
you know, you were always blowing a tire out. And when you would, you'd be 30, 40 miles from a gas station. There were no cell phones. You know, if, if one of the guys that were traveling the same route didn't come behind you, see you on the side of the road. And in those days, it was like a cardinal rule. If there was a car on the side of the road, you pulled right up beside it and identified who was in it before you went on. That was the way we took care of. And it was an unwritten rule in those days, but for Louisiana, it was, it was imperative. Let's talk about, uh, what's next for you, uh, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, Mike Sharp, uh, who we've talked about before gets a win over you here. Three days later, you're working for Paul Bosch, Houston wrestling. Dr. Death is the opponent here. And again, he's on the a side. We've talked a little bit about Paul Bosch, but, uh, what was just a typical day? Like working for Houston wrestling? Well, you, it, it, there was no difference from our side. Uh, because you would basically get there for a house show, you know, an hour was required before the show started. Uh, Paul Bosch was like the co-promoter him and, you know, Bill, I guess owned Texas together as far not Texas, but Houston. Uh, I never spoke to the man to be honest with you because I was way down the way down the order. Um, but the one thing that, I, that universally, I've always heard about Paul Bosch was he was a good man and he was a good payoff guy and he treated the talent fairly. And that's what was the case with me. Uh, but basically it would just be when you had a, a trip like that, which was 275 going across from Baton Rouge, notoriously we would have something booked the next day, like Biloxi, which is 130 miles the other way from Baton Rouge. So you had to go round trip. So that's 550, you know, back and forth to Houston. Sure. But I heard, you know, Bruce will tell you a lot of great stories. I guess Paul Bosch was a surrogate father to Bruce. And, uh, but I just heard he was just a good, honest payoff guy. Uh, that was, that was always the story about Paul Bosch. Let me spell it for you. G E I C O.com. That's Geico.com. Let's, uh, let's keep it moving here and talk about Kelly Kaniski, uh, another name we haven't spent a lot of time talking about. You're working with him on January 18th at the Riverside Centroplex back in Baton Rouge. Uh, man, another great legend that we've talked about before, but this isn't your first match against him. Are you starting to get a rhythm with some of these guys when you have multiple matches as a young performer, do you try something different every time or do you start to develop? Hey, he does this well. And I do that. Well, let's do it again, but see if we can get better at the same sequence, if that makes sense. Yeah, you're hundred percent correct. And you're right on, uh, as far as that, you may only lose, you know, with, with Kelly, you know, who would come in and Kelly would want to work with you. And Kelly was trying to get better and he had a good attitude and all those things. You know, you may learn just a, a wrestling sequence with Kelly that night because he was more, uh, you know, he was, uh, more advanced than you were, had been around longer than you had, you know, let's just say you're with Steve Williams that night. And the only thing maybe you learned was, you know, take your bumps and, and we're learning not only how to work and wrestle, but take bumps and, and all that stuff. Maybe I learned to not how to take a, a backdrop the right way, working with doc. Yeah. That's the one thing that I got a little bit better with. Kelly was one of those guys, you know, that 
that was trying to find his way. And again, his dad was a famous wrestler. It was hard to overcome, you know, that stigma, uh, which I, I kind of got the sense of that, you know, with Kelly just a little bit and don't ask me why it just felt like, you know, he was trying to impress his dad, which why wouldn't he, uh, most second generation wrestlers want to please their fathers. So. Next up after, uh, the Kelly Kaniski match is uh, a team with you and Kelly Kaniski, and you're going to take on buddy Landale and Tony Torres. And I can't believe this is real. I had to like do a double take. You won a match on TV. Now, granted Kelly probably hit his finish, but still, uh, you're on the A side, you win something, uh, and you're wrestling a name that a lot of us are familiar with buddy Landale. But before we talk about him, Tony Torres, any memories of him? I don't remember Tony Torres. You got any, uh, info on his bio? I, I got nothing, but we all know about the other nature boy, buddy Landale from Knoxville, Tennessee. I think a lot of people saw buddy's work early in his career and thought, man, this is going to be a top guy. And then through a series of different decisions and events that didn't happen. Uh, what do you remember about wrestling buddy here for mid South? Uh, well, buddy, you know, you got a sense that buddy definitely believed his own shit and that's a good thing. But I started to be around Buddy a little bit. I started to see him at some of the shows because, as you can tell, you know, one day you may walk in and be working on the babyface side, you know, like like Kelly floated back and forth a little bit. One day you may be on the heel side. But in that particular match, I could probably guarantee you if we won, Kelly went over Tony Torres. So I know I never won a match the whole time I was with Watts which is fine. If I was on the winning team, that was some feather in your hat, but here's your buddy Landell story. Uh, being from, I think from Tennessee originally, uh, Tim Horner knew him a little bit. You know, I think they might've bumped into each other before they got to Watts and, uh, I was living with Tim. So, Tim Warner is one of those guys that's a really, really good friend. If he's your friend, he's a, he's a great dude. Tim Warner got guts for days. And if you offend him, he's a redheaded son of a bitch. He'll fight you. So him and I are over the apartment one day and we're going to be hooking up with rides. And I think buddy was coming over and, and, uh, hook up with somebody else and whatever the ride situation was, I was in my bedroom. Tim was in his bedroom. And I think we might've been packing our bags right before getting ready to leave. And we hear buddy just coming in the door. Didn't lock, didn't knock, didn't ring the doorbell. He's screaming. Hey, where's everybody at? Hey, where's everybody at? So I said something, Hey, I'm packing my bag. Tim said something, you know, Hey, I'll be with you in a minute or something, buddy. And, and buddy in about 10 seconds said, Hey, let's blow this puke hole. Now he's referring to our home. I immediately was offended. Tim immediately was really offended and we came screaming out of each one of those bedroom doors and did a double knockout to us. 
He was insulting our home. Yes. Yeah. It was a very small, uh, moderately prepared, not prepared. Uh, what's the word I'm looking Appointed. for? Appointed. Furnished. Appo- yeah. Yeah. Just a, just a very, very sparsely furnished place. It's not meant to be a show place. We're just passing through, but <laughs> But we kind of got up in Buddy's grill. Buddy figured out he had shit the bed, and we uh, we had a, a quiet little word with Buddy about that. So that was just the way he was. Buddy spoke without thinking a lot of times. But the one thing I knew and that everybody knew, in those days, Buddy was prior to being injured, had a really good body. He had dark hair at that time, but he had – that enviable hair, especially for a jabroni like me who had nothing going on in the hairdo department, but he was a really handsome guy. He was already a good worker and you just knew, or I knew he was destined for big things in the business. He was a star already and he was working first match. Do you own your home? Go to geico.com. Do you rent your home? Go to geico.com. Do you have a car? Go to geico.com. Want to save some money? Go to Geico.com. It's your weekly reminder to make sure that you are taking advantage of all things Conrad over at adfreeshows.com. The content library is phenomenal with so many options that cater to you, the wrestling fan. Whether you enjoy hearing your favorite podcasts ad-free or watching them on your smart device, maybe you're interested in MMA or just enjoy the wrestling nostalgia. I guarantee there is something for you. The interactive experiences alone are worth every penny. From Nick Aldis and Thunder Rosa to legends like Nikita Koloff, Arn Anderson, and Jim Ross, they have all been a part of our live interactive events where you get to talk to them and ask the questions that are on your mind. So what are you waiting for? Head on over to adfreeshows.com and choose the right tier for you. So much value and a wide selection that is free as well. That's right. Free content you can start enjoying today. So do it now. Go to adfreeshows.com and sign up today and join the fastest growing wrestling community. Again, it's adfreeshows.com. Wow. Same day. It's a TV taping. Uh, Art Cruz and Tim Horner are going to get a win over... Uh, Marty Lundy and Tom Renesto Jr. A couple of other names I'm not super familiar with. Tom Renesto Jr. Uh, I believe is from Memphis. Anything you can tell us about Tom you, Renesto? You, you know who his dad was? He was one of the assassins. Okay. One of the original assassins with Jody Hamilton. That's awesome. That's a trivia. I can't believe you didn't know that. I didn't know that. What about Art Cruz? Anything you can tell us about him? Just a nice, just a really nice man. Art was a. Uh, you know, one of those guys that was pretty average in his look, you know, pretty decent worker at that time. Now, Tom Ernesto Jr. was a damn good worker. He wasn't under the, you know, he wasn't doing the assassin thing or anything. He was just Tom Ernesto Jr. But, you know, they made a, a, a pretty good team to where we could go out and actually have a pretty decent little match. Why don't you think uh, Ernesto Jr. is a name many of us are familiar with? <laughs> if he walked in the room... He could have very well been a a sixth grade school teacher. He could have been the Orkin man showing up at your door. He could have been bringing a pizza, nothing about his look 
or demeanor or anything else screamed wrestler. The uh, just very normal. The only time I remember even seeing him was on an old trading card from Paps Blue Ribbon and Rax Roast Beef. That's one of the more uh, coveted wrestling trading cards. And he has a uh, well, Google him, Tom Renesto Jr. You'll see what we're talking about. Um, next up, as we mentioned, that was a, a TV taping, but now you're going to be working with Tim Horner, uh, on the 22nd. And that one's in Jackson, Mississippi at the national guard armory, uh, on the 25th Chavo Guerrero is going to get a win over you in Baton Rouge on the 28th. Dick Murdoch is going to beat you in Houston for Houston wrestling. Are you enjoying the relationship that Bosch has with Watts? I mean, is this. Do you view this as a, a valuable learning experience or is it really all that different from working for Watts? No. And we were, in essence, we were working for Watts. The only thing that, that we knew was that, uh, Mr. Bosch was co-owner, but he didn't do any of the hands-on stuff. Now, if he dealt with like Tully and Gino, when they would come in, that would be something different because they weren't walking, they weren't working, uh, Watts territory, but when Watts crew showed up, we were working under his rules. Grizzly Smith was the boss. He ran the show. All the rules were Bill Watts rules. Uh, just the one thing that, that after being there a couple of times that you could count on, if you were an underneath guy, now I figured up, I averaged about 500 a week there, which is not a lot of money. Yeah. When you're starting to pump out that gas and pay for car repairs and, living expenses and all that. Thank God it was just me that I was looking after. Um, but you could count on like a $250 to, to anywhere between there and $300 payoff in the first match that made your week. No matter what else you made that week, you still had a pretty good jump on a decent week. And it meant you'd have a few bucks extra. You could tuck away. February 1st, as we're finished with January of 83, you're in a a losing effort to uh, Mike Sharp in Baton Rouge. The next day, the junkyard dog beats you on TV. And of course, as was the case, a lot of times it was double duty. Uh, you also had Mr. Wrestling Two team up with junkyard dog to beat you and your partner, Don Bass, not Ron Bass, but Don Bass from West Memphis, Arkansas. Uh, he wrestled as the Punisher and the Scorpion and the rock and roll phantom and assassin number two and the Boston strangler, but not a name. A lot of our listeners are probably familiar with, but Lord, he wrestled a long time. What can you tell us about Don Bass? I don't even remember, but I know Ron and Don Bass were a name on the smaller circuit. You know, I say smaller circuit, Tennessee. I'm sure they worked for continental. I'm sure. They worked, you know, plenty of territories with all those gimmick names. He had to have. And I'm sure that particular day he's looking around going, who is this jabroni partner that I have for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, go to guygo.com. Pass it on. Well, you know, Uh, you you refer to yourself as a jabroni. And now since you said that, it feels like as good a time of any, you're cutting your teeth. You're on the, uh, the losing effort of a lot of these matches. You're making towns. you're, You're eking out a living. You're honing your craft. And as you said, a lot of times you guys would, would sort of heal a room. So you're doing whatever you can to, uh, to make towns and you're paying for car repairs and just beating the shit out of your car. And then somewhere in this run with bill Watts, something unexpected happens and you start riding in style. Tell us a little bit about how that came to be. 
Well, let me cover something for Pee Wee, and I don't know if we talked about this on a previous episode, but somewhere during all this, a dog, I don't know if he sent Pee Wee out to run an errand during a show or something, go to a convenience store, or, or I don't remember the exact story, but JYD hired Pee Wee as his assistant basically to drive him to the towns and drive him back. Then Pee Wee went from that job description till they broke him in as a referee. So now he had a full-time job, which was a pretty cool thing because he was able then to help out with the bills a little bit, which he hadn't done in the past. So I thought I would, I would cover that, which was pretty important because when I left, which is coming up in our story, uh, Pee-wee stayed, and he stayed for years. He met his wife up there, made a home for him. That turned into a a long-term gig for him. So thought I'd throw that in. So now getting back to the question, the mystery guy that I was riding with suddenly. So, which I didn't know, um, but apparently – each week that passed, I was getting an inch better and an inch better. And the top heel for Bill Watts in Mid-South at that particular time was Ted DiBiase, who was a huge star. And he was teamed with Hacksaw Jim Duggan and Matt Bourne, and they were wrestling as the Rat Pack, and they pretty much encompassed the top heels in the company, and they were red hot. Matt Bourne was an excellent worker. Teddy was an incredible worker, could talk. Hacksaw Jim Duggan was a steamroller, which Bill Watts loved. You know, I mean, he was one of those guys that would go in a bar and and clean it out if anybody gave him any crap. But Teddy was the the businessman. He was the guy. He was the, the guy going out every night making JYD look like a trillion dollars. So one night I came back through the curtain and he pulled me aside and he said, uh, Hey, I, ju- I watched your match. I just want to give you a couple tips. If you're receptive, I, I just sat there with my jaw on the ground. What do you say to that? I said, well, of course, please. And he told me two or three things that, that he liked and two or three things he didn't like. And he said, this is an easy fix. Just move this over here, move that over there. And, uh, you know, I've been kind of watching you for a little bit. He says, you're getting better every week. I don't know if you know that or not. Uh, I said, well, I had hoped I was. I'm sure trying to get better. That's that's my goal. He says, well, i tell you what, you live in Baton Rouge, right? You live with Tim Horner. That's not very far from my house. Once you start riding with me. Wow. That didn't happen in those days, Conrad. No. You didn't have an underneath guy. Now, Teddy's got a Trans Am. Now we're talking, uh, Burt Reynolds, black Trans Am sharp is a tack. So now I went from riding in my Buick Regal, which was getting beat up more by the day to meeting Teddy and riding to the towns up and back and driving his Trans Am. And the learning experience that I got from just listening especially on the trips back when it was fresh in your head and you had just made a few mistakes and he's clearing them up, you still remember them. 
that kind of uh, that's what we did in in those days. When you you learn more on the trips, almost sometimes with guys critiquing each other and helping each other than you did in the ring. Yeah. And uh, man, I learned so much from him, and he was so so unselfish with his comments and his advice, and plus didn't charge me a dime, which immediately was putting X amount of dollars right back in my pocket, which made it easier when you're living week to week, that extra not having to pay 20 bucks for that trip or 25 bucks for that trip in gas or trans, it helped. It really did. And, uh, he was very, very generous. And, uh, he was my very first mentor to that degree, which you didn't hear many of those stories that day because here was, here was the thought process. Why would I get this? Why would I help this guy get real good just to take my job? And that was the mentality. It was the unspoken mentality. Tell me about, uh, some of the things that, that he would have taught you that you would have learned from Ted DiBiase making those car trips. Um, make your punches credible, believable, make them pay off. When you're working a hold, make sure there's no air, what we call air in the hold. It's not loose. You can't see it's nice and tight. And it looks like a legitimate hold and another inch or two, and it will be a legitimate hold and basically just going out and, uh, making sure that when you're working with baby faces, that you make them superior to you. You never out punch out wrestle or make a baby face look bad. You never punk them out. You can beat them up, but you don't punk them out. Cause once a baby face doesn't react to something that's been done to him, you slap a baby face in the face. He better knock you on your ass. If you don't matches over, he's done because he got punked out. Right. Hey, did you go to Geico.com yet? Those innuendos, those bridges between the bumps are the things that Teddy already had down. And man, when he would feed a comeback to junkyard dog, it was as loud as anything I had ever heard or seen since. And dog was, he was God in Louisiana and out through there, Oklahoma. And and you're going to be working with dog your next match after Mike Sharp, uh, February 2nd uh, on TV dog beats you. And then that same night, as I think I mentioned, uh, Mr. Wrestling two in the junkyard dog beat you and Don Bass. So double duty here. Uh, but JYD is just all over the place, but we're talking about DiBiase and one of the things that intrigued a lot of fans when you and I first announced that we were doing a show is the idea that they knew that you were considered to be in most people's opinion, one of the best promos in wrestling at this point in your wrestling career. Have you even done a promo? No, no, absolutely not. There was no spot. I I was strictly a first or second match third at the most tackling dummy that was just trying to learn the mechanics of having a match, the psychology of having a match that made sense and just working on that. You would have never got a promo in those days. That time was so valuable and so critical. Remember it was a one hour show 
and you were trying to expose all these top talents and talents that were upper middle so that when a top guy beat an upper middle guy, it meant something. And when a uh, upper middle guy pulled one out of his keister and he beat a top guy, then you had a star and he was made. There was no spot for doing promos. Now, before I got in the business, and our my friends in Rome, Georgia, Tony Zane, myself, Kenny Green, Pee Wee, when we would be riding around town drinking and rednecking and and all that stuff, hell, we were cutting promos on each other back then. Right. Because we're all wrestling fans. And people may think that's goofy, but I still use some of that stuff, you know, uh, over the years. And uh, it, it was just being a smart ass and being a heel. And I always had that mentality of – of, you know, being a wise ass. And, uh, but at that point I didn't have any promo time or the, the, uh, possibility of even doing a promo for Watts. Are you, uh, talking to DiBiase or listening to DiBiase sort of getting his insight onto what makes a good promo or is it strictly in ring stuff? Yeah. We didn't talk about promos too much because that was so advanced for where I was. You got to remember, I'm, you know, however many months for Watts at this point, plus three weeks in Pensacola prior to that, that's not a lot of experience in those days. Uh, so we didn't talk about that as much. It was more about matches and and uh, coming up with offense that, you know, that's different. And, and the main thing was make it solid, make it credible. It, it'd be different. You know, he gave me nothing but good advice. Talk to me a little bit about, um, his advice about working with Watts in those days, there were no such things as long-term contracts. You uh, operate on a handshake and, um, you know, you honor your word and you do the honors on your way out of a territory, et cetera, et cetera. And we know DiBiase is going to go on to be a much bigger star with Vince McMahon as the million dollar man. And his legacy is going to be all set, but are you asking as a young guy, just trying to eke out a living? Hey man, what's the next step for me? What should I do to, to advance my career financially? And it, does it involve sort of knowing when to move on? I think I've heard Michael Hayes say before you leave when you're on top. So you've always got a place to come back to. Are you, are you having those type conversations with Ted? No, you got to remember what Michael is talking about is once you're a top guy and yeah. you're a commodity all the rules change right you, you call your spots you book yourself in the next territory you call ahead and go hey you know things are starting to you know get a little muddled here you know creatives and shits uh baby faces are hurt i got nobody to work with whatever the issue would be that you feel like it's time to go you kind of handle that yourself i was clinging to to just making sure that when that booking sheet came out every week, my name was on it. Right. I wasn't looking to do anything further. I never had a money situation. Hey, how do I make more money? Because I was smart enough to know my goal was not to be the world champion. My goal was not to main event, uh, Madison square garden. My goal was to be a good wrestler. I wanted to be Dick Slater. I want to be a guy that every time he stepped through the ropes, he created excitement. 
and that he was a, I was, I wanted to be a, a guy that could have a match with anybody big or small and it be credible and make sense and, uh, and tell a good story. We never talked about money, even though, and I knew just from hearing him, you know, conversations, you know, you know, sometimes money would come up and he would be talking to Duggan or, or born. And, you know, there we go, you know, a hell of a week last week, hell of a payoff on that town. It jumped, you know, that angle worked, da, 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 da. But I never asked anybody. And I, you know what? My entire career, Conrad, I've never asked what anybody made. Yeah. It's none, of my, it's none of my business. The only thing I was ever concerned with is, am I making enough to take care of my family, pay my taxes, save some money and advance my life for when this is no longer a part of my life. It just never came up. What's the hold up? Do you need me to spell it out for you? It's G E I C O.com. That's where you save money. Geico.com. It's okay. You can admit it. You're skeptical about all my commercials about save with Conrad.com. So was Nathan in Fairfield, Pennsylvania. He left us a five-star review over at conradreviews.com, and here's what he had to say. I've been hearing the ads for Save with Conrad on his podcast network for years, but I was skeptical about it being able to benefit me. Boy, was I wrong. The process was quick, easy, and has put my family in a better place. The service delivers all that is promised, quick and easy, as advertised. That's really what we do, Nathan, and thank you for your business. We greatly appreciate it at savewithconrad.com. Right now, we can save your family just like we did Nathan's. Skeptics are allowed and welcome, but if you've got a 30-year loan, if you've got a second mortgage, if you've got credit card debt, there's never been a better time to take advantage of this opportunity than right now. What we're talking about is saving tens of thousands of dollars from the comfort of your own home. You don't have to get dressed up in a three-piece suit for a two-hour appointment across town with a banker. Check it out right now, savewithconrad.com. And if we can't save you money, we won't waste your time. But what you're really getting is the peace of mind of knowing that you've got the best deal for your family with my family at savewithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Oh, and did I mention no house payments for two months? Come on, let's take a summer vacation from house payments at savewithconrad.com. You know, this is a weird question I ask, but... um... Do you have any time for social at all while you're working for Watts? Like, you know, these days, of course, you know, the, uh, the, the guys who are hanging out after the matches who want to meet the wrestlers, well, they look like me and Stan. Uh, but, but back then I assume there were some, some ladies who thought, man, look at that TV star and he's young and an athlete and in good shape and he's famous. I need to hang out with that guy. Did that exist in the Watts territory? We never hear about that in the Watts territory. Well, here, here would be, here was my extent of it. Jim Duggan asked me to go to a bar that was over on the side of town and not too far from where Tim and I lived, which was again, you know, the cops were out buddy in Louisiana. Um, it was called Jim beams and it was a cowboy joint and Duggan asked me just out of the blue one night, Hey, you know, it's Tuesday night. I can't believe it, but I don't have interviews first thing in the morning. It was like his first time being off interviews or something. 
and I didn't have to get because the guys that had interviews the next day in Shreveport had to leave, uh, right after the show and drive on to, to Shreveport, either that, or you had to get up and leave at four in the morning. So you just left after the show. So it didn't leave a lot of time for partying, but he said, Hey, you know, I don't, I don't have to be there until TV tomorrow night. So, Hey, you want to go down to Jim beams? And, and I got introduced to Jim Duggan, Jack Daniels, an ice cube or two, fill up the glass. And that was it. I was a beer drinker and about an hour. He had me cockeyed. So, I got to talk to Jim and found out, you know, a little bit about his career and him playing football, pro ball, and and just just a really a super guy, man's man. One of those guys that, uh, you know, when he told you something, you could believe it. But in those days, I wasn't worried about partying. I was just worried about getting that car heading to the next town and or, or getting heading back home and. It was business all the way because you can't just, you know, punch in a bunch of hard drinking when you're trying to really learn something. Yeah. You know, it just, it gets in your way and it really does. And for those five or six months, I was just trying to learn how to wrestle and be presentable and, uh, you know, get a foundation, which would you know, help carry me forward for the rest of my career. That, that was my precedent. Even though I was a young guy and single, it, it wasn't high on the priority list. As you've probably picked up by now, Arn was putting over a lot of people back in the day, uh, but not as often as we're putting over Geico. Ha ha. Gotcha. Go save some money at Geico.com. You'd be glad you did. Let's talk about what's next for you. Uh, February 11th, uh, you're going to be uh, losing to Mike Sharp at the Sam Houston Coliseum. Uh, five days later, you're back doing TV at the Irish McNeil boys club in Shreveport. Uh, you're uh, going to do a draw here. You and Kelly Kaniski will team up against art Cruz and Tim Horner. Uh, of course, as with all TV, it's a double day. Uh, Mr. Wrestling two picks up a win, uh, in the very next episode. Uh, but about a week later, you find yourself back in Houston again, uh, this time in a losing effort to art Cruz. but the very next day, or I guess a week later, the very next week is what I want to talk about. Cause this is a name that we've talked about a little bit before, and I'm glad we get to talk about it again. You do TV, uh, at the, uh, boys club again in Shreveport on March 2nd, 1983. And you lose to Mr. Olympia, your old pal, Jerry Stubbs. Uh, what do you remember about working with him here for Watts? You seen pictures of him from that era? I have. Did he look as good as anybody? Yes. Now, Jerry was, a. Uh, Jerry Stubbs could have been a mega star on a international level if he chose to venture out and go to the big territories. He could have went to WWE, which was WWF. He could have went to Crockett, anywhere he wanted to go because that guy lived in Pensacola. Um, he had a, a really nice home with a really nice pool area and he was a guy that figured out pretty quick, get in the gym, get tanned, that tan thing, which people make a joke of, but a person just looks better with a tan. Yeah. Jerry had a hell of a body. He was tanned. The lady that made his mass and made his gear was excellent. He looked as professional 
and he looked like a superstar. And I mean, he could work too. He had no holes anywhere. You know, the only thing that was not a superlative, I would just say is he's a pretty good promo, not a superlative promo, but it didn't matter because he had everything else. And I got to wrestle him and he was so smooth and it's so good already. It was just one of those things that when I was done, I went, Hey, <laughs> the better man won. Look at the guy. And he looked incredible. And that's what Bill Watts, you know, that look and the fact that he could work, you know, it didn't matter that, that, that the promos weren't off the charts. He was incredible, but he just, Jerry made his mind up that he was going to go as far as maybe in Memphis in and out of continental, which was his home. And he would go over to Watts and he would work for a few months at a time. And he would, cause he could, if he wanted to, if he had ever had a day off, he could always drive back home and see his family. It was close enough. Like say Bill Watts ran Biloxi. Biloxi's 130 miles from Pensacola. Yeah. You know, you could always just say, Hey, I'm homesick. I'm going to run home for the day. And whatever the case may be, he may have to go to Pensacola and then drive back to Jackson or something like that. But, uh, yeah. And I, re- we'll get to, to our partnership and all that stuff later, but man, he, coming through that curtain, superstar. You know, we've heard Arn say that, uh, wearing a fedora back in the day was heat. Well, heat with me is not going to geico.com. What are you waiting for? You're throwing your money away and you can save when you bundle at geico.com. It's a, a TV day. So, uh, you're working two matches. The next match that day on, uh, March 2nd is Tim Horner. You guys go to a draw. Uh, 10 days later, uh, Art Cruz is going to beat you in Tulsa for uh, Bill Watts. Uh, four days later, Kamala is going to beat you on TV again at the boys club in Shreveport. Uh, and then I want to mention five days later, there is a mid mid South North American title tournament. So now we're going to crown a new North American champion. Uh, that big monster of a belt. You're working with your old pal, Mr. Olympia again, Mr. Jerry Stubbs. He beats you. Uh, a couple of days later, Art Cruz would beat you in Little Rock, Arkansas. That's got to be a hike. And then I think you're going to finish up all your Watts duties in a losing effort to Butch Reed at the Sam Houston Coliseum in Houston, Texas. Pretty good match too. Nine minutes and 45 seconds. Uh, before we talk about everything going on behind the scenes, tell us about working Butch here in Sam Houston. Nine minutes with Butch. Yeah. Wow. Well, back it up just a little bit. Believe this or not. The, uh, you mentioned there was a couple scattered, uh, time limit draws on TV. Yeah. That meant, believe it or not, I was advancing yeah. and the, and the office was noticing because I went from getting beat to a draw. That's a step up. Yes, it is. It really is. People are going to laugh at that and go, Oh, come on, man. Like kissing your sister. No, it wasn't. And if you knew the business, if you went from just doing jobs every week, to a draw, it meant they saw that you, and that was their way to reward you. Yeah, they didn't make so. you that week. So if I went nine minutes with Butch Reed, he must have been in a, in a very good mood that night because his positioning, and he looked like a million dollars too, and was a hell of a worker. Butch would have been positioned way, way up the card for me. That must have just been one night to, to get him a win, and he decided that he, he might have saw something 
and took advantage of it and let us have a little bit of a competitive match. Well, let's talk about behind the scenes, because I think somewhere in here is where, uh, things start to change for you in a big way. Let's first address. We're going to have a a meeting of the minds, if you will, where you're going to have a major, uh, I don't want to say gimmick change, but this entire time we've been talking so far from the very beginning of your career until late March of 1983, you've been Marty Lundy, but something happens in the locker room that changes all that. Not only your name, but your location catch us up on how that story came to be. It was really unbelievable. To be honest with you. I, we always talk about, boy, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall yeah. and heard that conversation. You've heard that cliche. Of course. I actually got to be a fly on the wall. Now, Bill Watts, you know, was, was a, uh, very intimidating guy. He was professional every minute of every day. He didn't really spend a lot of time talking to the underneath guys. I don't think I'd ever had a conversation with him at all. Uh, this whole time I was there, but I was sitting in the locker room and JYD was crossed the way there. And, and, uh, Bill came in and, uh, he goes, he's talking to Matt Bourne and, and uh, Duggan and DiBiase. And he goes, okay, guys, we're going to, you know, this, y'all, you guys have had a hell of a run. Uh, I'm going to send Bourne to Atlanta. Oldie wants him. He's going to put him with Paul Ellering as a manager. Uh, we're just going to uh, get you a partner, Matt. And, and he said, Bill, whatever you want, you know, da, 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 da. And Matt had made a ton of money for Watts, so. He was going along with anything and just out of nowhere, you hear this deep voice. Hey, Bill, that Lundy looks just like Ole Anderson. Won't you send him with born, make him an Anderson. Bill looks at me. He looks at him. He went, J.Y., you are 100% right. And he looked at me and he said, How's that sound to you? And I, 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 I'm swallowing my teeth. I went, fantastic. Sounds great. So he says, I'll be back with you. So he left in about 30 minutes. I guess he called back. He says, Lundy, good idea, JY. Oli's all over it. He said, you start in uh, 10 days as Matt's partner, uh, Paul Ellering will be your manager. You start in Georgia Championship Wrestling 10 days. You'll finish up next week at TV or, or tomorrow at TV, I think you said. You'll finish up. That'll give you time to get moved and all that stuff. I can't believe it. Right there, that quick, you know, say timing is everything. I just happened to be sitting there. JYD made it happen with just a word. That's how much power top, top guys had in those days. And that's how you caught a break. Let me spell it for you. G E I C O.com. That's Geico.com. Lots to unpack here to recap. You never had any sort of sit down conversation with bill Watts the entire time working for him. No. Whenever you would get your payoff from him, he hands you just an envelope with your name on it or something. He doesn't have anybody, anything they would hand it out at, uh, 
I think TV is when you would get paid, but it would be somebody. I don't even, it was below Grizz, whoever handed out the paychecks and it's cash or a check. It's a check. And it's made to your real name, which at the time was your working name. But is there a breakdown of what you got paid for each match or were you just left to guess each town and the payoff that was there. And, you know, you would kind of have an idea if the, if the town was good or whatever, and there was guys that would be bitching, Hey, the house was up and all that stuff. And I was hearing conversations going on that were, you know, were valid, but I just was glad to be there. I mean, it's, it's so silly that I wasn't even worried about what that number was. If it was enough to get me through the next week expenses, it's all I cared about. Cause I was getting to do what I'd wanted to do since I was eight years old, Conrad, it was happening. It wasn't about winning. It wasn't about losing. It wasn't about getting banged around by the veterans. It wasn't about driving myself to the point that I caught myself a couple of times off in the median in the weeds. And that's what woke me up. You know, could have very easily been killed a couple of times in car wrecks. It was the fact that I was getting to go to these towns in front of these crowds and hear the audiences react to what I was doing pro or con. I was living it. I mean, living the dream has, has become so cliche and it's, and it's almost one of those things that it, it leaves a bad taste in your mouth. Cause most people don't mean it when they say it, but I meant it because I was, it was happening. So I don't want to be super granular on the cash, but. Did you get paid the same amount for every town or was it really based on the house? Like you were saying, you could make as little as, as 40, 50 bucks for a town like LaRanger, which was just, but it was just down the, just down the road from, from, uh, Baton Rouge. You can make Tulsa and Oak city, which was the big one. Uh, what they would book that about once a month, sometimes once every six weeks, double shot that day. 300 per shot wow. your week was made 600 that's the good news the bad news is it was 700 miles to drive back after doing that double shot to baton rouge overnight i know this sounds silly because we're getting so granular but i do want to ask when i mean it's worth mentioning you you find out all in one felt swoop Hey, you're no longer going to be losing matches. Now you're going to be winning matches. Oh, you got a tag team partner. Oh, and you got a new name. Oh, and you don't work here anymore. Oh, and last, but certainly not least you got to move. So let's talk about the move thing. First, you've been bunking up with, uh, with your pal, Tim Horner. Is he cool and understanding that you got an opportunity. You got to move on or is he sort of pissed off? Like, no, Hey, wait a minute. We've been splitting the bills. What gives? Well, you know what happened? The good, the Again, timing is everything. I told you Pee Wee had had a job with yeah. JYD yeah. starting the referee. Now he moved from the couch, which he was staying for free. He took my bedroom. I got now, you. He's, now he's paying half the rent. I got you. No problem for Tim. And if it hadn't been Pee Wee, the next underneath guy that came in, if Tim would have been saw that he could have been able to live with the guy, that guy would have got the spot. Uh, but the payoffs in those days, it really was dependent on how good the house was, right? How much the expenses were, uh, you know, because it did vary. 
you could go down the road to New Orleans, which was 85 miles from, from Baton Rouge. And, uh, you know, because the rent at that building downtown was not real bad. You could make a nice payoff down there. You could pick up underneath, you could pick 200 bucks up, but that you had 40, you had $50 towns, you know, you go down to Homa, which was a very small building that could be a $75 payoff. But I, I figured it up and I averaged the time I was there for the five months, about 500 a week. So the other thing that we, we sort of glossed over, you look like our only Anderson. So we're going to make you an Anderson. Do you know that your name is Arn Anderson yet, or just that you're going to be an Anderson? I didn't know exactly what was going to happen. I knew that that was the plan. So we had a meeting for the first TV said, Oli, I'd sent word to me and, uh, he said, you be a TV early, you know, we'll talk. And when I walked in, uh, he looked at me and he went, I'm a son of a bitch. You do look like me. I don't know what to say to that. What do you say to that? So I just didn't say nothing. And he, and he cocked back in his chair and he went, Okay, they were right. Uh, your name now is Arn Anderson. And it just happened just like that. Do you own your home? Go to Geico.com. Do you rent your home? Go to Geico.com. Do you have a car? Go to Geico.com. Want to save some money? Go to Geico.com. And that's where we'll pick it up next week when we talk about all things Georgia Championship Wrestling. As you heard uh, Arn uh, allude to, he's got a new tag team partner, Matt Bourne who most of you probably remember as doink, but boy, he was a hell of a performer before he was a clown for Vince McMahon. We're going to talk about that. And how about this for a first match in the territory? <coughs> Aaron's going to team with Matt to take on Brian Blair and Tito Santana. It's a hall of fame affair and Aaron smarting everybody up. You've got a great new duo here. It's you and Matt Bourne. And of course, Paul Ellering is your manager and your team name was destruction incorporated. Come on, man. This is going to be fun talking about all things, Georgia championship wrestling. We're going to pick it up where we left off here in two weeks. Next week, we're going to take a timeout and do another ask Arn anything. Now we've had a lot of fun with ask Arn anything because you've really gotten to know the man behind the character, but now we're going to do sort of a territory specific effort. So we want your questions about working for bill Watts, about the drives, about the States, about the towns and about the performers, whether it was working for grizzly or tagging with uh, some great tag team partners along the way, working with Bruno jr. Who could forget Mr. Wrestling too. What about JYD? Maybe you've got a question about DiBiase. everything we've covered so far, including the trip to Pensacola with Pee Wee and bullet Bob. We want to really double down on those questions. And that's what we're bringing to you next week. And then we'll be back in two weeks to talk about Georgia championship wrestling. It really is a who's who, uh, and a lot of names we haven't talked about in a long time. Uh, guys like Brian Blair, guys like Paul Orndorff, guys like Tommy Rich, of course, Tito Santana, as we mentioned earlier, Paul Ellering, Pat Rose, Mr. Wrestling too. It is quite the affair for Georgia championship wrestling. And we're just getting started as we've sort of hit the reset button for all things. Arn. tell your friends, take another look. Maybe they, uh, didn't want to hear about, and Arn certainly didn't want to talk about being an agent anymore. So we're going to the good old days and, uh, it doesn't get any better than Georgia championship wrestling. So that's coming your way in two weeks. But next week, it's Ask Arn Anything. And if you've got a question, you can ask on Twitter right now at the Arn Show. Arn, this has been fun, man. What say you? 
love it. Like I said, comrade, just like it's fascinates me how you got where you are, that trip and that story is, is as fascinating as walking through your home and, and seeing your beautiful outside <laughs> pool area and all that. It's how did he get there? And that's, that's what I like talking about. That's what I think a lot of people like hearing about. So man, this is how, this is fun for me. I'm reliving my life, all of it. And we should mention, we've got, uh, some fun, uh, excursions, if you will, along the way between each territory, we're going to check back in and do a Q and a, so we can answer those territory specific questions. You can ask them again at the orange show on Twitter, but we're also going to occasionally mix in a guest or two here, or there. We've already got a couple in mind. And Arn, as you and I are recording this, we're, uh, we're about a week late, but I do feel like we should at least mention and acknowledge that you lost somebody that you shared a lot of time with recently. Uh, Mr. Canoodle passed away, uh, last week, I guess it was. And, uh, I couldn't believe the news and, and, and we had shared a text message conversation back and forth. What can you tell us about Mr. Canoodle and Maybe some of our younger listeners who aren't familiar with his work, if you can recommend anything, they should go check out of his. Yeah. I mean, he was a, he was a fantastic partner with, uh, Sergeant slaughter. They had great chemistry. When I first got to, uh, Jim Crocker promotions, he was just finishing up. He was a good solid hand. He had an infectious laugh. Anybody that knows Don Carnoodle, first thing they'll say is he had this loud, boisterous laugh and it was, you know, I mean, it would just shake the walls, but I mean, he was one of those guys that was just a good, solid human being, uh, after his wrestling career was over, he had another career in law enforcement and he's just one of those guys that, uh, that you, uh, really could bank on whatever he said to you. And, uh, you know, our thoughts and prayers go out to his brother and his family and all the friends that he had is terrible loss. That's for sure. Yeah. You know, best wishes to his family. I feel weird even saying that it's almost become a cliche, but I got to know him a little bit through the NWA legends fan fest in Charlotte that uh, I saw you at a few of those over the years and just a great guy. And he never always had a kind word for everybody had a funny story about everything and he will be missed. And, uh, you just hate to hear, you know, any sort of sad news like that. So if you're digging some of the territory stuff we're doing, go dig up some, some canoodle matches on YouTube and check that out, especially the stuff with slaughter. I'm with you. That's probably some of the more high profile stuff, but, uh, what a life he had. And, and I hope that, you know, some of our younger listeners go check him out and reinvest some time in, uh, the guys who helped pave the way Aaron, how about that? I would say this, uh, he and slaughter against steamboat and young blood in Greensboro is one of the biggest wrestling matches there's ever been. There were cars lined up for 20 miles back down 85 South trying to get to that arena. It was an event big time. And we hope that uh, next week is an event when we do ask Arn anything. And uh, it's a very special territory edition, all things, Watts, all things, Pensacola. We'll be back next week right here on Arn. All right, real quick, before we get out of here, I got to say it one last time. I want to save you money. Stop what you're doing and rush over to savewithconrad.com. This is going to be the best summer ever. 
just asked Miguel in Plainsville, Ohio. He left us a five-star review at conradreviews.com, and it said this. Big thank you to Conrad and his team. I enjoyed my experience working with First Family Mortgage. Jimmy was there. Anytime I had any questions, he was just a text message away. Saving money and refinancing my home couldn't have been any easier. Miguel's saving a whole bunch of cash, and you can too right now. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. And if we can't save you some cash, we won't waste your time. But I do want to mention, this isn't just for refinancing. Maybe you've outgrown your current home or you're tired of throwing your money away on rent. First Family Mortgage can help you get into your next house fast and easy at SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. And oh yeah, no house payments for two months. Come on, let's make this the best summer ever with a little summer vacation from house payments at SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Woo! John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> Those Weekend Golf Guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.